Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Christmas. Uh, let's, our whole point of today, our whole point of Christmas Eve, our whole point of our service has been trying to just recenter us on Christmas. There's so much busyness, there's so much, uh, there's so many things that distract us from what Christmas is about, that hopefully today, if nothing else is accomplished, you're recentered on what Christmas is actually about. You're recentered on, on why we celebrate Christmas, and that's Jesus Christ. That's, that's because uh, Jesus stepped out of heaven uh, in the form of uh, a servant in the likeness of man and was born, and we celebrate that this time of year. But somewhere along the way, that gets lost. That's, that's been lost. Uh, when, so I have two daughters, and they're seven and six now. When they were three and four, my three-year-old Reagan, uh, we were cleaning up her room, and, and I said, hey, Reagan, they had this, they had this toy, this, this toy that somebody gave us that was really annoying, but they loved it, of course. And it was, it was a, a blue dinosaur with a hollow body, and you put balls into this body, and they kind of pop out, and then it's, it's really loud and annoying and makes this noise, and they, they pop out. But the girls loved it. So we're cleaning up a room, and I tell my three-year-old Reagan, Reagan I say, hey, Reagan, uh, put those balls inside the dinosaur. And she looks at me, and she says, that's a hippo. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was kind of thrown off. And Emerson, my four-year-old, quickly comes to my defense, and she says, no, it has a tail. Now you're thinking, do hippos have tails? Yeah, but they're stubby. Uh, Emerson, Emerson says, no, it has a tail. It's a dinosaur. And Reagan, without hesitation, she says, okay, it's a hippo dinosaur. <laughs> That's how we treat Christmas. It is about a dinosaur. Our culture says it's about a hippo. And we've said, as followers of Jesus, okay, it's a hippo dinosaur. I was in Abu Dhabi a couple weeks ago, and this is in the United Arab Emirates, so it's a Muslim nation in Abu Dhabi, and it was decked out with Christmas. Christmas trees everywhere, lights everywhere, garland, Christmas treats, uh, Santa Claus, reindeer, fake presents under trees. Uh, just in the, in the mall there, there were at least three or four shops of all Christmas stuff. They're just Christmas shops in the UAE. And I was like, this is so weird. And it hit me. And I thought, wow, I'm in a Muslim nation, and they're celebrating Christmas. But when I looked around... It was devoid of anything Christ. It was devoid of anything Jesus. It was all Christmassy stuff, but it didn't have anything to do with Jesus. And I thought, 
Is Christmas any different in Canada as it is in the UAE? Are we celebrating it the same way here? Is Christmas any different in your home than it is celebrating it over there? And somewhere along the line, we've lost, we've lost what Christmas was about. We celebrate this thing, and it's become this hippo dinosaur, right? And it's actually just a dinosaur, but we've, we've combined it with, with other things. And in the passages that Adam and Emily and Dave and Jamie read this morning, it shows that Jesus is on a mission. He's on a mission to reveal, to, to reveal the Father to us. He's on a mission to love us. He's on a mission to save us. And when Paul leaves us in Corinthians, he, he leaves the church with a mission. And it's the same mission Jesus came to give us. Jesus came to love us, and Paul leaves us with love. And he says, this is your mission as the church. So let's jump into this passage. And it's only a few verses, and we're going to walk through it quickly. It's... Uh, beginning in verse 19, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Paul says, the, church of, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca together with the church in their house send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. What was the word that was repeated over and over in, that, in, that, in those two verses? Yeah, yeah, greetings. Um, in, uh, when Paul uses this word, it's not just a vocal greeting. It's, when he uses this word, it's, it's, it, it means that there's some affection attached to it. There's always some sort of affection attached to it. And so he says here, send you greetings, and then he uses an even stronger version of it. He says hearty greetings, and then he uses an even more specific version of it, uh, greet one another with a holy kiss. He gives a specific thing to do. Now, we're going to practice that. I'm just kidding. We're not going to practice holy kiss. You guys just got uncomfortable. Um, but actually, what's, what's, uh, what's amazing is in, in our culture here in the West, like that's, we wouldn't do that. But in many cultures around the world, that's commonplace still. Uh, greeting one another with a kiss. We have a few Europeans. I don't think they're here, but we've talked to them about it. They're like, we should start that in our church, just like cheek kisses. Um, but I don't think we're ready for that. So <laughs> don't, I don't know, maybe 2018. We'll give it a couple weeks to, to stew for us. And, and Paul says here that there is a certain affection that believers have for one another. And he says, it looks like love. And there's a, certain, there's a certain way we greet one another, and that should, that should come out in us. When we see another brother or sister in the faith, we should be so excited and, and joyful that we want to greet one another with a holy kiss, that, we, that we're just so happy to see somebody, that our, our greeting isn't just vocal, but it, it has some sort of genuine affection to it. And, and why is that? Why would Paul say that this is how the church should greet one another? Well, Jesus in John 13, 35 says this. <clears throat> he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so our mission as a church is this love. And here's a statement I want to give you. Um, this is the bottom line. I do it in every sermon is that mission without love is life without meaning. 
Mission without love is life without meaning. Jesus came on a mission. Paul is giving us a mission of love. And that's a huge statement right there. Now, you guys are probably like, uh, I don't know about that. Um, that's a pretty big statement. We'll qualify love. And I'll talk to you about meaning a little bit because you're probably thinking, well, that's not exactly true. Um, because you can, people who don't have love can still have meaning in life. But I would say they can have goals in life. But what I'm talking about is a meaning that transcends yourself. A divine, everlasting meaning. So mission without love is, is life without that sort, of, that sort of meaning. So going back to the passage here, Paul, Paul goes into verse 21, and he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Verse 22, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The, well, let's, let's stop there. So, so Paul here, if there, if there is something that separates, it's love. And he says that the follower of Jesus is defined by love, <clears throat> love for God, and the one who rejects Jesus, the one who doesn't follow Jesus, is not defined by that love. And this sounds pretty harsh here when he says, let him, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Uh, and then he says, <laughs> and then he just says, our Lord come. And it sounds pretty harsh, but it's actually really poetic in, in the original language. And I hardly ever do this, but, but I'm gonna give you the Greek words here because you'll see why it's poetic. He, when he says, let him be a curse, he's saying, let him be anathema. And then when he says, our Lord come, he says, maranatha. So he says, let him be anathema, maranatha. So it's very, it's, it has a very poetic ring to it. And what he's, saying is, what he's saying here is, let him have his way. If he doesn't love Jesus, Paul's not pronouncing a curse. He's saying, let him have his way. And that way is being accursed. But then he says, on the other hand, those of us who love God, we're longing for Jesus to come back. And we know he's going to come back. And a common greeting in, in the early church was, was using Maranatha. And then the person, the person would say, the person would start off and say, Jesus is Lord. And the person would respond by saying, yes, and our Lord is coming. Uh, so Paul is using, using that as a as a play on words here with anathema. And he's saying here, again, that love, love is a separator here. And love is our mission as the church. And he leaves us with that. He leaves, he leaves the Corinthians with that. And remember, this is a pretty messed up church. This church is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. He starts off by talking about divisions in the church and factions and there's one group who's who's kind of uh, warring with this other group and they're arguing with this other group and then he goes in and he he uh talks and he addresses sin in the church and how uh someone's like sleeping with his his dad's wife and how that's unacceptable and then he talks about he he addresses sexual immorality and how they're just they're just not getting it. And so this church, they're, they're worshiping idols. They're, they're doing all this stuff. And so this church is, is by no means perfect. Paul has been dealing with stuff throughout this, this letter, but he leaves them with two things. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And then my love 
be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. This, this Christmas, <clears throat> some of you guys, if not all of us, just need to experience the love of Christ. And that's what Jesus' mission was. That's what the church's mission is. It's, it's love. And we sang that song and it said, Christ's law is love. He established a new law and this is a law of love. And we all have this void in our hearts and we're trying to fill it up with something. And you're trying to love something or someone and you're trying to fill it with job, with career, with money, with things, with relationships, with other people, with, uh, with substances, with who knows what you're trying to fill in that love void in your heart. But as, as Paul closes this letter, he reminds us of what is crucial, of what Jesus' mission is what, and what the church's mission is, and that is just love. And when I say love, I don't mean the way the world views love. The world views love in a, a emotionally based tolerance way. That's, that's the world's view of love. And it's, it's shallow. It's, it's, uh, it's always going to falter. It's always going to fail. But biblical love is this unconditionally based choice. It's, it's a choice. Love is a choice. You choose to love somebody or something. Now, that doesn't mean, and love is rarely dispassionate. Love is rarely, is rarely devoid of emotion. Okay? I'm not saying that there's no emotion. But a lot of times, we talk about love like our emotions control us. Like, we talk about love like, well, we can't help it. It's, it's, it's emotion, and our emotions control us, and that's a lie. We control where we, where we put our emotions. We, we control that. Love, in the biblical sense, is always a choice. You choose to love your spouse. You choose to love your parents. You choose to love your kids. You choose to love your job. You choose to love this church. You choose to love your dog. You choose to love your neighbor. You choose to love your enemies. You choose to love Jesus. And we know that's the choice because there's people who don't choose those things every day. There's people who have kids and choose not to love them. They choose to reject them. There's people who have parents and they choose to reject them. There's people who, who have jobs and they choose to reject that. There's people who, who have seen Jesus and they choose to reject him. So love is this, is this choice. And, and the Bible says that, that we only know love because he first loved us. And we can't know love, true love, apart from God revealing himself to us. We can't know true love until we understand that God's love is unconditional. It is unrelenting. It is always pursuing us. It is never stopping. It never gives up on us. But at the same time, it will never force us into anything. And God's love will never force you to love him back. But he'll always be there pursuing you and waiting for you. And... The Bible also says, actually, in 1 Corinthians, in this book, it says that love never ends. 
that love is everlasting. Think about that. If we can only know, and this is, this is a further confirmation that we can only know true love in God because we see Jesus display the love of the Father when he's here on earth. He talks about the Father in, in very loving ways. He follows the Father. He only listens to the Father. These are choices that he makes that display his love. The Bible talks about love in so many different ways that Jesus demonstrated this love on the cross, that God loved the world in this way, that he gave his son uh, to the world to die for the world so that we wouldn't have to die, so that we wouldn't perish. Uh, so we have this picture of love, and we have this picture of love in the Trinitarian community, uh, that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And if you think about it, they've existed in eternal, perfect community and eternal love. So before we were even created, before there was anything here, when there was just God in the Trinity, what also existed? Love. Because they were in that community together. So when Paul says love never ends, he's saying, well, it's, it's been there forever and it's going to last forever. And that's what we get to enter into. That's, that's what Jesus came to reveal to us. And, and as a church, that's what we live in. So when he says greet each other heartily, when he says greet each other with a holy kiss, that's nothing because... We have that eternal love in us. And when he says, and when he sends the church out on mission, and that mission is in love, that's, that's nothing because it's, we're already in that eternally existing community. It should just flow out of us because it flows out of God, and he's given it to us. So Jesus is on this mission. When he came, when he came down, He's on this mission to pursue us, to give us this life with meaning, this abundant life, this life uh, of, of love for others, this life of love that looks like love that is unconditional, everlasting, always, always pursuing us, never, never stopping, never giving up on us, unrelenting love that we're supposed to give to this world. And he came to show us that love. When... My daughters were three and four. Emerson was four. And I came in the room one day, and Emerson was singing Silent Night. And you know the song, Silent Night, Holy Night. Yeah, I don't know. Is that how it goes? <laughs> I, I blinked out there. What are the. Um, and, and she got to the part where it says, Sleep in Heavenly Peace, right? And she said, sleep in heavenly beast. <laughs> and I said, I said, hey, sweetie, like, who's the heavenly beast? And she looks at me and she says, Jesus, of course. And I was like, that's so amazing. Jesus is, he's the dinosaur, like we talked about in the beginning. And he's never going to give up on you. And he's always pursuing you. And so this Christmas, maybe you've come into, into today not knowing that love of Jesus, not knowing that true, divine, unconditional love. Maybe you came in today uh, separated from that love. 
And, and maybe today, on Christmas Eve, tomorrow can be the first day that you actually celebrate the love of Jesus in a way that you haven't, that you haven't before, in a way that you haven't known before. You know, Christianity, the Christian faith, isn't about a bunch of beliefs. I can give you a bunch of beliefs, but that's not going to change your life. It's about the love of the Father coming down and sending his Son sacrificially for you. Jesus, Jesus took on the likeness of flesh when he didn't have to, submitted himself to death when he didn't have to, became a servant when he didn't have to. The king of the universe did this so that you would know love. Beliefs come later. Beliefs will come. But that love is what transforms you. And so this morning, if you're here, that's the gospel. That's what's offered to you this morning, the love of Jesus, the love of Christ. Whether you're a follower of Jesus, you consider yourself one, or, or whether you're not, it's the same for all of us. And maybe as a follower of Jesus this morning, you feel like you haven't sensed that love recently for whatever reason. So let this morning be a time of confession. Let it be a time of recentering. Let it be a time of, of just being with the body of Christ to where you can experience that love from us so then we can point you to the Father. So this morning, uh, whatever, wherever you are in there, know that the love of Jesus is for you and that God is there pursuing you this morning, wanting to give you that love. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you loved us when we didn't love you back. Thank you that you still love us when we reject you. Thank you that you still pursue us. And thank you for Jesus displaying that wonderful sacrificial love on the cross. And I pray that us as a church that we would display that love to our city, we display that love to our neighbors, we display that love to our coworkers, so that other people can see the beauty of the gospel, not in all of its beliefs. Like I said, that'll come later, but in all of its love. That's how we point people to you, Jesus. So I pray that this season we would do that. We do that as a church and we do that as, as individuals wherever you place us tomorrow. And we give glory and honor to your name and your love. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.